that was, it's been fun. We need to, like I say every Sunday, we just need to do that more often. Uh, hey, as, before we begin, let's, let's pray together, all right? Let's go before the Lord. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Leilana and the decision that we had the opportunity to be witnesses of that. I pray as a church, Lord, that we take responsibility for these little ones. We take responsibility for those who are little in the faith, who might be older in years, but uh, brand new to the faith. Lord, helping them to walk in their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord, now for the opportunity to open your word. Father, your scriptures mean so much to us. Lord, it is your uh, your laws, your it, or, or it's your direction for our lives. It's, it describes this wonderful story of you sending your son for us. And Father, with the words that are there, we pray to pay our best attention, uh, Lord, because you have a message of encouragement for us. You have a message uh, that challenges us. You have a message, Lord, that also corrects us. And we need all that. All of us, we need all that as we come before you this morning. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to listen and to receive. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I, I wonder about Saul. Last week we talked about Saul and his conversion. Right? There in chapter 9 of Acts. Saul and his conversion, uh, his, his receiving Christ. Uh, do you remember yours? When you began, many of you have already made this decision. Do you remember, you know, the time when, when, when you had, had, first of all, accepted Christ and, and perhaps even stepped into that baptistry and, and were baptized? Uh, who was there? Uh, think about who was it that was there to witness uh, that baptism? Uh, was her family? Was her family? Today, uh, Rebecca and Jameer are the proud parents of Leilana, and they're over here. And matter of fact, stand up real quick, would you? I know you love that part. Stand up real quick. I, I want you to recognize uh, Jameer and Rebecca, and then all those who are family members that are here today, to, because you heard Leilana was going to be baptized. Would you all stand up with them? Woo, there we go. And so we're so, we're so glad you guys came. And, and Papa, I, we, we had a little conversation about you back there. And, and so, uh, you know, yeah, what's that? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. So you guys can be seated. But anyway, I wanted you to see that. Saul didn't have any family members. Well, I could, I could guarantee you Saul had no family members there for his baptism. You think about his colleagues, though, uh, his associates, those people that he worked with, the people that gave him the letters to go and arrest, you know, arrest the Christians? Do you think they were there? No. If they even knew about it, they wouldn't have been there celebrating Saul receiving Jesus. That wouldn't have happened. Uh, and, and what about the church? Was the church there to witness uh, Saul's baptism? There might have been a few but we'd have to, to kind of assume or, or guess. Maybe, maybe it was that household of Judas uh, where he was in Damascus. Maybe a couple of them came to witness. But one thing we know for sure, it was Ananias and Saul, and that might have been it for, the, for that. And, and so I, I want to look, and, and where we're going to pick up is where we left off from last week. So we're verse 19 of Acts chapter 9. 
is where we're going to begin. This is the story of Saul directly after his conversion. After he, he committed to Christ, believed in him, I mean, was confronted by him, now he's going to follow after him. And, and so what did that look like? Look, what did that look like for Saul? Uh, again, we're going to begin in, in, in verse 19 and, and follow on. I, I will stop a couple times. We're going to go through verse 30. It'll be up here if you want to follow along. In verse 18, just to, just to bring you up where we, that, that last verse before we went into this. In verse 18, Ananias comes in, heals him from his blindness. Remember, uh, after Jesus confronted him on, on the road to Damascus, where blinded him, uh, he was led into this, this home of Judas, and, and there at the home, he sat for three days. He, he didn't eat, he didn't drink, and he could not see for three days. Ananias, being directed by God, came, and as he entered into the home, verse 18 says that he healed him of his blindness. Scales fell from his eyes. He was able to see. And then the next phrase says, he got up and he was baptized. On to verse 19. Oh, I've got to find my page. Sorry about that. There it is. And verse 19 says, and taking food, he was strengthened. And for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Right here, let me just take a brief uh, moment. Uh, you see Paul, later Saul who becomes later Paul and writes these letters, gives us an indication that there's more things that took place in this time or more information that could be given. For instance in Galatians 1 and again in 2 Corinthians. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some things that were included in, in Saul's own story. This is Luke's story. This is Saul's story. In Saul's story, he was he, he actually identifies how long he was in Damascus where he received Christ. He was there for three years, for a period of three years. That's what, says, well, that's what he wrote in Galatians. And, and it wasn't just Damascus. You see, he was in Damascus, and then he said he went to Arabia, and then he went back to Damascus. So in that three-year period of time, he did a little stint over into Arabia. We don't know how long. Some believe that he went there just like Jesus did after his baptism. Remember what Jesus did? Uh, it was right after Matthew uh, chapter 4. He went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness and, and, and fasted and, and did a lot of preparation before his time of ministry. Perhaps that's what Saul has done here. Uh, we don't know. Uh, others think, well, he, he probably even did some ministry the outpouring of his heart. I mean, he's realized that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, that he lives. And so uh, that excitement, uh, some believe that he even went into Arabia and maybe some nomadic people or even some cities. He went in and, and declared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he did some ministry wherever he went. Uh, we do know that he went into the synagogue in Damascus, as, as Luke points out. 
And he began to declare Jesus as that Messiah. Preach that gospel message. And it caused him some trouble, as we see in the next verse. Verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Okay, so, so this preaching, the telling, speaking the truth about who Jesus is in the synagogue had, had caused the same kind of anger and frustration it, it did in Jerusalem. And they wanted to kill him. And it says they plotted. If we were to go to the uh, Second Corinthians text, which is in chapter 11, verses 32 and 33, he gives more details about that. And, and it comes in that idea of they plotted against Saul. The Jews plotted against Saul. It wasn't just the Jews. It was also the city, uh, city officials. It, it was specifically, it was the governor of that city or of that territory. Uh, who, was, who was under King Eretus, uh, the Nabataean king, the, the king of that uh, Arabia area. And, and so through this governor, they, somehow these Jews probably coaxed them, or, or maybe there was even reason for uh, this governor to see that, boy, this guy's causing trouble. And so he jo they joined together. So it was the city officials and the Jews who conspired together to what? To kill Saul. And so they, they helped him to escape. And that's where we left off in, in verse 25. Now 26 through 30, we see him making his way to Jerusalem. So let's read that part. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and he disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. We, we still see those little, little verses, maybe a verse or two or three combined together saying, Things are going well for the planning of the church. Things are going well. I mean, we see all these difficulties. Saul going through some, some troubles, had to escape Damascus and other things. But what we continue to hear from Luke, uh, a little commentary, things are going well. Things are going well. Even in spite of the difficulties, things are going well for the church. It continues to expand. It continues uh, to happen. Uh, looking at Saul, do you, do you see Saul? If anything, someone might come along and say, hey, Saul is in, a, is in between a rock and a hard place. You know, on one side, he has his colleagues and those associates that are not going to like what he is did or what he did and what he is going to do with the gospel. What's he going to do with the gospel? Speak it, tell it, spread it. That's exactly what he was going to try to stop. 
But now he's, he is pro-gospel pro Saul. And, and so they're, they're, you know, we already see them. They're already acting to kill him. And on the other side, the church is just afraid of him. But every right to be afraid because he was coming to arrest Christians. He already did a lot of work in Jerusalem arresting Christians that he now was pursuing everybody else that hadn't. This was not, this was not a, uh, just like everybody was rejoicing that, that Saul. Matter of fact, I think the best verse comes where it says that everybody was amazed this happened. And, and are, are you like that? Sometimes you need to take a little while to chew on that, to think about that. Or, or maybe it's that Missouri kind of thing to show me that. Let me see the evidence of that. That, that's quite possible. There's a, there's a truth that comes in Scripture in several places. Jesus spoke about this, but now we see this, this truth that's working in Saul's life. And, and it's this. When you are changed through Jesus, when you are changed, transformed through Jesus, once an enemy, now, now I'm a child of God. That, that's Saul, right? Once you are changed through Jesus, life around you changes as well. I could say everything changes. Everything changes. Our perspective of life absolutely changes. And, and it changes uh, the way the attitude of people around you changes as well. I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about the changes we experience. Uh, and, and those who are new, newly converted to Christ ought to be experiencing as well. Conversion. Uh, first point is this. Conversion and commission go together. We know what conversion is. Conversion is those who receive Christ, who, who again, uh, they, they are, you know, at the enemy, and then all of a sudden, receiving Christ, they become a follower of Jesus, a child of God. I like that term, a child of God, a, a, a member of his kingdom. There's, there's the change. That, that happens within us, Right? But immediately, immediately, there is a commission that we need to be aware of, a purpose that ought to strike our hearts, and that, that we say, okay, what do I do? How can I help? How can we be a part of this? When we commit to following Jesus, we have a purpose to fulfill. Now, Saul, Saul came to receive Jesus as the Son of God and fulfill his purpose. Remember that stated? I mean, especially Saul was privileged to have, you know, uh, a, a, a voice or God spoke to Ananias and, or Jesus spoke to Ananias in verse 15 he said he is a chosen instrument of mine wouldn't that be nice to have that spoken about you he is a chosen instrument of mine um, uh, he is going to carry uh, my name before uh, all the Gentiles and before the kings and, and before all the children of Israel I brought this verse up last week, and I think it's good to emphasize it again. What Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship. Do you, do you know, I, I said, oh, we become his children. Uh, we become people of his kingdom. And, and here, Paul adds this, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's purpose. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Paul, Paul had purpose right away. He had a message. I think he was anxious. I think he was so anxious uh, after meeting Jesus. And now to even seemingly, you know, the, the, the once being an enemy, now he wanted to prove his love. There might have been some of that in his heart. Uh, and wanted his own people to know that Jesus, them to come and know the same truth that he had, he had embraced. We, we have that same opportunity. We have that same, there is a purpose that's laid upon us in that commission. If we are, if we belong to Jesus, if we have chosen to follow after Jesus, then we belong to a body that has a purpose, and you're, we're all part of that. In God's family, everybody has responsibility. That's, that's just a true statement. In God's family, everybody is responsible to that commission. If you're part of the kingdom, you have purpose. You have a purpose. Uh, in, in the Roberts household, when I was raising children, well, there, there's different people who are in my home. There's, there's my family, you know, my children, my wife. Uh, we're family, and there are those who are guests. If a guest came in, they would be able to take that room downstairs, and, and uh, uh, we'd share a meal with them. And we didn't have all kinds of expectations for them. They didn't have to make their bed. We would take care of that for them, and, and uh, they didn't have to, to do the... You know, they didn't have to make a meal or anything. Uh, Linda would make a meal, and then well, guess what? We'd clean up afterwards because they're a guest. Now, now when, it comes to, when it comes to those who are family members, guess what? You're a member of the family. There's responsibility. That's just common sense. I think everybody's like that. None, none of you parents right now are thinking, I want to raise a guest in my family. I, I want to serve them all the days of my life, you know, until they leave and go somewhere else. And they'll miss me so much because someone's making their bed for them and, and someone's picking up after them. That, I know that happens, but our desire is that those little kids are learning how to pick up after themselves and take responsibility. They're sharing in, in, in like the mealtime, whether clean up or in helping to set the table, whatever it is, or helping outside mowing or, or, or vacuuming or, or whatever uh, happens that, that if you belong to the family, there's a responsibility and that's what makes us a family. That's part of what makes us a family. We take responsibility and we join together. Paul talked about that in Romans 12, 3 through 6. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I see Paul absolutely nailing it here in what I just said. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You're not a guest. <laughs> you don't join the kingdom and just say, well, I'm just a guest here. Okay. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, one body we have many members, and, in, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many as one body, in accord with, this, with the grace given to us, let us use them. There's a lot of words in there that, that basically it says that God gifts every single one of us and gifts us for a purpose, to be included, that, that, that we are a part of that kingdom, that we're his children, we're not guests. We're, we actually involve, we are very much involved in the mission that's given to the church. Simply said, Jesus came into this world to seek and to save the lost. Our, our greatest mission is to do the same thing Jesus came to do. 
That's on the church. And we work together to be able to reach the community around us and even beyond to, to achieve what he's called us to. Verses 7 and 8 that follow that, I think it's important to just say, here are the gifts that he lists in those verses 7 and 8. There's gifts of prophecy as, as, as God uh, gives, you know, as God works that faith in you. Or, or there's service, or there's teaching, or there's encouragement, or there's contribution, uh, which is giving uh, leadership, and there are acts of mercy. All of those pretty broad. We all could fit in, in those categories, in one way or another, to be working together to fulfill this great purpose that God has given to us. No one is a guest. If we have the attitude that we're a guest, welcome, welcome. We want you to know Jesus. <laughs> you need to know Jesus. And you need to learn to be a part of the body if you're following after Christ. Now, there's a couple of places. There's a couple of places here in this story of, of Saul we look at. And, and the things that Saul faced. I said he was in a rock and a hard place. Uh, you know, on one side, Saul was absolutely, you know, if he's not now, he's going to be hated by those who sent him, you know, with his, gave him that authority to go arrest Christians. Loved him before, but now is just wanting to kill him. Okay, on the other side, church is just afraid of him. They don't know him yet. So, so here's, here's a couple of things he had to face. First of all, he had to face that thing that Jesus talked about. You know, in this world you will have trouble. The second point is this, rejection is going to happen. Absolutely, rejection was happening uh, to Saul. Saul became engaged with that, um, that message immediately, taking the gospel, uh, you know, even into the synagogue. That's the word that preceded that. Immediately he went into the synagogue, doing what? Talking to people how Jesus is the Son of God. He, he, he took that message. And guess what? His friends, his colleagues, his associates, as we said, didn't want to hear this message. Had rejected it from the apostles, is going to reject it from Saul as well. Jesus is the Son of God, or he is the Son of God, the way it's put in the scripture. In verse 20, Jesus is, this is his preaching. Jesus is the Son of God. Now in the Old Testament, it was laid out. There were, there's a few places that, that there were those who were identified as the Son of God. Israel itself, in a couple places, has been identified as the Son of God. The kings, as they came along over Israel, they were identified as the Son of God. And definitely, uh, as, as they were looking forward and in the prophecies to come, they were expecting an ideal, eternal king to take that throne. They were looking for him who is going to be identified as the Son of God. Psalm chapter 7, verse 2. Jesus even said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today you are my son. Psalm 7, uh, 7, 2. Also, in verse 22, if we look, what's also part of his message that Paul went preaching into the synagogue? Here he is. He was a witness to the risen Savior. Uh, so he was proving that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior that they've been looking for. Jesus is the Savior that they've been looking for. Hey, we see it in the scriptures. You're anticipating. You're looking for him. It was Jesus. And they say, oh, but, but he's dead. 
Yeah, you killed him. Here's, here's the apostle's message. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And Saul was confronted by Jesus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, well, who are you, Lord? Who are you? He said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. He came, he came to the place where Jesus confronted him. And oh, man, that's where Saul made that absolute turnaround. Oh, his mind clicking. He needed the three days in silence and no food, no water to just uh, to, to begin to grasp the magnitude of the fact that Jesus who came into, the, into this world, who engaged with his people, uh, with people that he even heard, that, that he had rejected that message that, oh, and then to find out it's true. It's true. So Saul, what's Saul doing? He's just speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth. And I think he's excited about it. He's excited to take it into the synagogues and tell his, his fellows. And some listened, and some absolutely rejected and wanted to kill him for it. And, and that's exactly what happened. He, he did this preaching in the synagogue. city wanted to kill him. He escaped Damascus and went on to, to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, what trouble did he find? Well, it was with the Hellenist, uh, Luke says. Saul disputed with the Hellenists in Jerusalem. Verse 29 says that. I, I want to take you back to Stephen. Who were the troublemakers with Stephen? In chapter 6, 9 through 11, it said it was those, that household of, of freemen. And, and then it, na it named places like Cilicia, Alexandria, and, and Cyrene. These, these Jews were from all these areas, which would have been the Hellenists. Uh, more than likely, it was the same group that interrogated uh, Stephen and then, then did some crafty things to end up and saying, or, or, or to, to, to do some things to say, he needs to be stoned. He needs to be killed, executed. And, and they're the ones who very much instigated that, that uh, uh, death of Stephen. And now Saul is in that same place with the same group. And, and the last phrase we see is they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. They were planning to kill him. Trouble comes to anyone who tells the truth. And I'm not saying just any truth. Not just about gender. Not just about, uh, uh, you know, things of creation and evolution. But the truth that God is. That, that God is. I mean, everybody there knew that God is. But what the connection they had is that God sent his Messiah, his Savior, to help the people who are so dysfunctional with that God because of their sinfulness. That are so broken and covered in their sinfulness, they have no relationship with God. And Saul went about saying, Jesus is that Savior. You know what the gospel is? Jesus is that Savior. We need that Savior. That same message uh, in, in the context of people who, who even to the place don't even believe in God need to hear that God is. And that God sent Jesus to be the remedy for all that ails us in our sinfulness. And that absolutely has us in that place of being. If you're not, if you're not right with God through Jesus Christ, you're in your sinfulness. You are identified as that enemy of God. I know you're not going out and arresting, uh, arresting Christians. It's not like Saul. But in our sinfulness, we oppose God. We, we stand against God and we are condemned because of it. Our people need to hear that Jesus 
is that Christ that he had planned so long ago to bring about and that we walk in this freedom from our condemnation and our sinfulness. Yes. I know that's why we're here to celebrate. I know that's why we get together. And, and, and because it's not easy to follow after him, but that's what we do because he has absolutely identified his love for us. Isn't that right? Absolutely has identified his love for us. And trouble's going to come if we speak and live the truth. Trouble's going to come our way. It definitely did for Saul. But there's also that other side of acceptance, right? That, that side where actually the Christians were, were fearing him, but, but gradually we definitely know that Paul, even in his letters, listed groups of people that meant so much to him identified people, hey, pray for. And, and Timothy and Titus, you know, as, as, as mentors uh, that, that he, was, he was raising, he was directing. There, there, there became a church that, that just grew around him. People who had already identified with Jesus. Once they began to see he was declaring Christ, they began to embrace him as a brother in Christ as well. But that took some time, right? It, it would take some time to see, you know, to see someone who is coming for letters to arrest you and put you in prison and do the things that they uh, were doing to the, the Christians in Jerusalem. And they're coming here. I, you know, what hole were they hiding in? They, they were probably trying to be, you know, very stealthy or, or trying to hide in places when Saul arrived in town. And then they found out he was, he was preaching the message of Jesus in the temple. Oh, my goodness. So they began to listen. Everyone was amazed when Saul uh, came to know Jesus. Everyone was amazed. Uh, on one side, fear. The other side, uh, afraid. Or, or hatred, and the other side was being afraid. Many, and, and as he traveled to Jerusalem, we know that, that many of them were, were just, uh, you know, afraid of him. They were suspicious of his, about his intentions. I don't know whether I shared... Forgive my oldness if I'm repeating this, okay? One of the things that, that in Galatians it indicated in those last few verses is that, that Saul says, or Paul says in Galatians, that he only met with Peter or Cephas and Jesus the Lord's brother. Did I say that before? No, okay. Uh, I left that out. But anyway, what he said was, you know, Luke says he met with the apostles. Well, that was a, a plural generalization from Luke. The specifics are that, that he met with Cephas, who was Peter, and also uh, Jesus' brother James. He met with those two. That's what he says in Galatians chapter 1. If you want to read that later, mark that down. And, and, and so... Not, not a lot of them wanted to meet this guy who left some time ago that was out to, to I mean, caused all this disruption in Jerusalem and then went off to Damascus and now, now is back. They weren't sure. Some of them weren't willing to take the risk. But here, here is, here is uh, Cephas or, or Peter and, and James. And guess what? Barnabas, the, the apostle Barnabas, steps up and says, hey, I'm going to vouch for him. Here's what happened. Told, told him the story of Jesus meeting him on that road. And, and that he came to that place of, of receiving Christ. And then even preaching Christ. And, and probably with some enthusiasm. Here's what he's doing. 
And so he was received by, by at least we know, Peter and, and, and Cephas. I mean, Cephas and, and also James. Now listen, uh, the reason he's writing that, you'd have to go to that first chapter. There was a, a, a very important reason. He said he received his gospel not from men, but from God. So the fact that he was confronted on the road, that he spent time by himself, he knew the scriptures. The lights came on when he began, began to realize Jesus. And when he read the scriptures, he was reading Jesus in those prophecies. <gasps> that's Jesus. And that's Jesus. So the direction that he, he received, uh, very important in Galatians chapter 1, he said, I didn't receive this from any of these apostles. I didn't receive it from any men. I received the message I have received through God himself. He's given me this. Anyway, what, what we see when, when it comes to Saul, Saul was finding a little help from his friends. We see that in these verses. There's those who stepped up, perhaps even risking uh, some things themselves in approaching Saul. There was, first of all, Ananias. Now, Ananias simply was directed by God, hey, I need you to go and take care of Ananias. I need you to, to heal him. But Lord, he's arresting people. He's coming here to arrest us. And he said, no, he's my man. I need you to do this. And he followed through. He followed through. And it had to be a support. It had to be one of those disciples, one of those, uh, those who, who, who uh, uh, befriended uh, Saul and knew details about Saul that, that, that many others didn't know. First to know it because he, he was the one who baptized him. And then along with that, we see in, in that area of Damascus, it says disciples. There's some, some followers of Jesus there. Whether they came from Jerusalem, came to know Jesus otherwise, or even through Saul's own preaching in that three years, that, that we know there was a group there uh, because they helped him out, out the opening in the wall and, to escape Damascus and, stay, and escape those who threatened to kill him. So there, there were some friends in Damascus. And, and when he went to Jerusalem, when the Hellenists were ready to kill him, it's, it, it identified him as brothers. And brothers, which I would, I would think by this time is, it included Peter and James and, and probably Barnabas. And maybe a few others had come in as they, as they watched uh, Saul go in to teach and, and, and preach Christ. Their confidence was beginning to build. But when the Hellenists... Uh, like they did with Stephen, looked to kill him. They protected, they protected Saul. Uh, and, and the scripture uh, sent him off to Caesarea and then on to Troas, his hometown. And there, there in the scripture it says uh, he preached in the, in the regions of like Cilicia and Syria, all in that area surrounding that uh, where Troas was. So he was preaching. All in that time from the the time he was converted until the time he began, you know, went to Antioch and then began to go on his missionary uh, journeys was approximately about 10 years. 10 years of the beginnings of his life. And I, I want you to see and think about those who were there for Saul and how important they were just to be the encouragers and, and the builders of, of their faith, of, of his faith. It, 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 to be the support you know, the church, the family needs to be there for the new convert. The church needs to be there for the new convert. We see Leilana uh, baptized today. What, what's, what's in our minds? I, and I know this happens. I know that many of you will stay back and look for Leilana and, and just tell her, you know, we're so happy for her. 
And we're excited. And we're going to be praying for her. Not just we're just happy. Oh, that's great news. And, and we forget about it. But there's, there's a, a course that she has set for her life. I told her mom and dad, I said, man, your role in her discipleship is huge. So as a congregation, guess what? Our support for Jameer and Rebecca is huge as well. We want to support them, love them as, as she continues, as, as Leilanda grows, as Rebecca and Jameer continue to grow. That's family. That's family. We, we are responsible for each other. Listen, changes are coming. For anyone who comes to know Jesus, there's going to be some difficulties. Might, might be some excitement to go out there and tell people, hey, I just received Christ. Do you know his story? And then someone might, might just absolutely reject you and tell you you're stupid and you're ignorant. We as a church need to help those who are brand new to the faith because we want them to tell that story. We want them to tell that story. We want them to share what they know about Jesus. And when the blows come, the difficulties, and they hurt, that we want to be there to support them, to encourage them, to pray for them, and to build them up. Troubles come. Let me go through that again. You, you know this is true, that when transformation, when Jesus uh, transforms and changes our lives, everything around us changes. Our whole world, the way we look at the world is so different. And, and, and so along with that, we know these changes are coming. In receiving Christ, we now have a commission that we're to follow, that we're to pursue, a purpose that we live for. It's not just minding my own business anymore, like people think in this world. It is, hey, minding his business, what he wants us to be doing. Also, in that, we need to realize that, that not all the world wants to hear this, and we're going to receive rejection. There's going to be rejection for those who are new to Christ, and there's also going to be that acceptance. We have to be part of that. We have to be a part of that to embrace those who come to know Jesus. Isn't that right? I am so thankful. I am so thankful what Jesus does in each of us. He changes us. He transforms us from enemy or from absolute broken, the same thing, enemy and broken, to, to children of God, people of his kingdom. Oh, man, but, but when we look at the scriptures, there's so much for us to do. So much purpose within who we belong to that we want to live that and live it well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and we thank you always for Jesus. He is our Savior, Lord. He is the one who directs our lives and, and, and directs our lives into righteousness, Lord, to be uh, oh, oh so more pleasing to you. Uh, and, and Lord, that actually happens because of what Jesus did. That as we claim that, that, that blood, that covering over us, we have received that forgiveness. We receive your spirit within us. And Lord, uh, we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that that sense of responsibility, that sense of purpose will be set upon our hearts. That with enthusiasm, we go into this community so that more and more people will know that they need Jesus they need to recognize you as their God. Lord, help us to be a church, not just within these walls. 
Help us, Lord, to be a church outside these walls and in this community. We thank you so much for Jesus once again. It's in his name we pray. Amen.